Cyber 5 podcast. I'm Tom, and I'm the founder here at Gosnells. I'm Will, I'm the head brewer here at Gosnells. I'm James, and I make the meat. This is our informal podcast, which we're spinning out from our Instagram live sessions. We do these every Friday live at 5, and we'll be talking about honey, fermentation, and of course what we're here for, the mead. We'll also be joined from time to time by some very special guests to talk about booze more generally. If you haven't already, guys, hit that subscribe button to our podcast, whatever medium you're on. Uh, leave us a review. Follow us on our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Gosnells Mead. Perfect. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Right, hello again. We've actually, we're a little bit late because we, well, we were on the wrong account. Embarrassingly so. So if you go on to Mead Maker Will, you'll be able to follow yeah, Will. Like there's like two minutes a of two, a better introduction than a this. A better introduction. So we are back again, Will. How are you? I'm great. Um, it's nice to have you back, Tom. Uh, I, I wasted, the, sorry, yeah, I wasted all my good jokes. jokes at the start. Um, well, I've grown a beard. Well, that's what I've been doing. Yeah, and uh, I haven't killed Tom. That's what I've been doing. So. Exactly. Um, what have you been up to in the brewery this week? Uh, oh, God, in the brewery. So this is the last week of our uh, plantain, blueberry, and maple syrup mead. So we've been What's doing the What's the inspiration final... behind that? What, banana pancakes? Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit of our version of an American-style dessert mead. Okay. I think yeah. uh, lower ABV, carbonated, of course. It's just uh, that's how the we roll. The classic Gosnell style. A little bit of barrel fermentation. That's, that's just uh, what I love, and I love the complexity of it. But, uh, yeah, so this is... The last of my recipes. I think the ah, next one comes... And then we're moving on to an exciting, exciting kind of rotation. <laughs> Sorry, I was That's so a... excited for whatever was coming next. No, no, we're rotating on the team. Yeah, we are. So, um, also, uh, well, we'll I'll, I'll, I'll keep a, a lid on that, but there, there's right. an exciting summer aspect coming up as well, which even you don't know about, Tom. Um, don't I? I think but yeah, I know so, so each of us uh, over the next five months, because we're a massive team of five, um, yeah, well, each, each hundred, hundred employees yeah, yeah, paired yeah. up for it's, a month, Yeah, right? it's a brainstorming activity. Let's have a drink, Tom. Yeah, let's have a drink. Um, sorry, carry on us about what we've got coming up in the uh, small batch. So we've got uh, the small batch coming out this, so it'll be sent out next week, um, which is the plantain, blueberry, and maple syrup mead. So what we did is we, we brewed a very uh, five five and a half percent standard Gosnells with orange blossom honey. Then we... we, we we took that recipe and then we put it into a barrel. Um, we aged it there for a little bit on uh, roasted and caramelized plantains. Um, and then we dosed in about a kilo and a half of blueberries and then let that to, to age for a while. Uh, and then we, uh, once that sort of got to the consistency we wanted, uh, we then... Sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> we, then, um, we then back sweetened with a little bit of maple syrup a little bit of honey and a little bit of blueberry juice, and just gave it just that nice sort of. I think it's tasting. It's tasting good though. I mean, I think the the plantains really add to the mouthfeel, which is pretty cool. And yeah, I was enjoying it earlier. Yeah, I think it's it's the last of the uh, the winter style meats. I would say like it's a little bit lower ABV, but it's got that wintry, round, thick mouthfeel sort of feel to it. But. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. What are we drinking here, Tom? So we're, this is, I mean, I love a bit of vermouth at the best times, but this is our in-house honey Ooh. vermouth, which is, uh, we've mixed with some tonic water. I was just about to say, that uh, tonic water smells great, or is that just our, that's, that's our vermouth? That's our vermouth. Yeah. The tonic water is pretty boring than on the set smell. Mm. Um, so yeah, so this is, I mean, you, you made it well, but it's a 20% mead, uh, which we've used some really super duper yeast to get up that high. And then we've... Um, added some herbs and spices, so some classic bittering spices, some other bits and bobs. 
Um, yeah, so we ran, uh, what was it, uh, WLP 099 time, which is, has an ABV. So that's, it, that's, that's a yeast. Um, supposedly can get up to 25%. Um, we did our first run, highly oxygenating, step feeding, step nutrient, um, and we got it to just over 20%. Nice. First run. So I think, you know, with a bit of uh, refinement, I reckon I can get it up to about yeah, fair, fair wind. Yeah. Um, guys, if you, uh, as always, if you've got any questions, then do type them into the box below and we will answer them. Uh, we are joined tonight by Old Spike, um, who will be chatting to in a, probably about uh, five, ten minutes. Um, yeah. So I can see so... I've just joined. Um, and yeah, we can Which... actually see the screen now. So if you've got any yeah, questions, look, answer. I'm, I, I don't want to toot my own horn because, of course, I'm terrified that it's just going to cut out um but yeah we can actually i think i think this is it this is our new setup tom so oh, taking us what, what that is we? really good yeah it's actually. nice isn't it? yeah so uh 20 percent uh and we just backed it off with tonic water i love vermouth and soda or well actually the ferment was 20 percent, but uh, by the so time it goes through the uh process of vermouthizing uh aromatizing aromatizing yeah um yeah it comes out about 17.5 percent right fine um but it is banging actually, and I love a vermouth on a hot day with some soda. Like it's a nice wedge drink. I'm really enjoying this. Yeah, it's really we, we haven't done this before. Uh, we we only just recently made the vermouth, and we're drinking it with ice and neat, and it's really quite nice. And guys, if you'd like to get your hands on some vermouth, we've actually made some vermouth making kits. So we're posting out um, the base liquid at twenty percent, um, and a load of herbs and spices, and then I'm leading a vermouth blending workshop next Saturday. So get involved if you you fancy that. Um, it's banging. It's really, yeah. really so good. So next week's our last week of our, 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 uh, our courses in February. Oh, yeah. And there's loads going on. We're all, we're all on deck next Saturday teaching a different course. Uh, so we've got a mead-making course at 2 o'clock. Then the advanced brewing course, which you're doing at, at 3. 3 o'clock, yeah. I'm doing a vermouth-making course at 4. And then we are doing a tasting at 5. <laughs> What's the process of vermouthizing? Is, uh... So... Yeah, oh, like, yeah, what is the process of vermouthing? So there's there's multiple different ways of doing vermouth, right? Usually you would uh, fortify a, a wine up to about 16% with either brandy or a neutral grain spirit, depending on where you're from yeah. and, and, and what you're sort of doing with that. And then we you're adding... I suppose you could do it at home with just a bottle of wine and brandy. Yeah, well, yeah, that's it. Like, you, yeah, usually the way if you do it at home, it's good to do it with brandy and a bottle of wine and some spices and a bittering agent. That's probably the most... Yeah. The most... Uh, oh, it's really making me hungry as the well. Two, the, bit, yeah. the bitterness in this kind of... The two components it needs is a bittering agent. So you can either use like wormwood, angelica root, uh, even like grapefruit peel, um, anything that's got like a really bitter sort of, you know, not necessarily bitter earthy, but, but bitter character to it. Wormwood is the classic for vermouth. Um, and then you put some aromatic spices on the top as well. So with this one, I think we used... Lemongrass, um, we used some orange peel, then I did wormwood, angelica root, cinnamon, a little bit of cardamom. Um, and then you just sort of, yeah, you either bump up the ABV or as like we did, we actually brought the ABV back down. Um, there's, that's probably, you know, you wouldn't call it a vermouth, but you call it a mead vermouth. Yeah, I can't think of a punny name on Yeah, on I can't think of no, 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 that. Uh, <laughs> that, that. That's probably the... the Best sum up of vermouthizing or aromatizing as or aromatizing. Yeah, I didn't know that because I was talking to someone about they were making. Yeah, you shocked me. They, well, no, they're making a hopped uh, hopped Sauvignon Blanc, um, and the it falls into a different tax category of amar, ar, ar, aromatized or aromatized. Ah, oh, so is like, that the uh, the like the duty ban for? Well, it's not. It's the 
it still falls into wine. It still it? falls into wine, but it's the duty band for imports and stuff. Because he was saying that post Brexit, you cannot make any wine in England that's not from English grapes at the moment. But you can make aromatized wine from. Ah, oh, is it like you can't put English wine on the label if the grapes? No, no, aren't... you can't bring any. You can't bring any grapes in from outside the yeah, yeah. Britain and make wine in the UK with them. You like at all? No, at you, all. Like, you can't. You just you can't can, do it. But you can't call it wine. Oh. Anyway, yeah. one of those Brexit things. There's tons of those uh, weird things, weird problems things. with uh, with Brexit. Right. So anyway, as we said, we uh, we're being uh, joined by our friends from Old Spike. Tonight. Yeah. So Sam, Sam, when you're there, just uh, he is. He's just he's, said the press. Oh, so oh, don't do that. Tables aren't made of uh, real tables. No, no. I made this table well. That's why it's quite. I, I, uh, it's quite thin. I'm I'm testing this durability, and uh, right. I'm quite happy. Uh, well, I bought the legs, right? <laughs> and the the legs are the difficult bit in any table. Um. Many, many a woodworker, woodworker will tell you that. Making a flat piece of wood out of a piece of plywood, you should be able to do. Um, yep, yeah, so uh, whilst we, the old guys from Multipike are joining, uh, we are... There you go. How are you doing, bud? Good, good. Sorry for the confusion before. Nice. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, that's fine. But yeah, good, good. How are you guys doing? Yeah, not too bad, too. Uh, it's Friday. How's your week been, Sam? The weekend, you know, because the lockdown and all that is pretty much the same all the time. But uh, yeah. but still a weekend, still like a break, so it's good. It's good, good. So I like the colours in the background, by the way. Um, do you want to just introduce yourself, Sam, and just kind of let everybody know who you are and what you do and all that fun stuff? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm the head roaster in at Old Spike, um, see you can see. And, and yeah, not much more. I'm coming from Spain and just roasting coffee nonstop and pretty much that. Cool. Nice. Yeah. You're based in Peckham, right? So you're, I mean, for those of you who don't know, the guys from Old Spike are two doors down from us, three doors down from us. Yeah. So they, we, at one stage, so we're... Uh living in our in our office oh they were yeah yeah they were, uh, packaging coffee right next to us which is uh, a lot uh, a very difficult <laughs> thing to do when you're trying to cut back on how much coffee you drink yeah but yeah, uh, yeah. sam let, let, let's just go straight into it because uh we've got quite a lot to cover in a very short amount of time to do it um, yeah let's do it so sam where, where did you get your start in in coffee when did i say when that again did you get your start in coffee when I started in coffee. Yeah, where, where was your first sort of yeah. job? Were you a barista? Did you go straight into yeah. the manufacturing side? That was a long time ago, like uh, 10 years ago. Um, I moved to I moved to Melbourne. And obviously, obviously, as you know, Melbourne and coffee is like a, a different story. And I remember before I never actually liked coffee until I moved there. Nice. Um, yeah. That's that's basically how it, yeah that's basically how it caught my attention because there's so much complex flavor such a you know in, in coffee and I didn't know that before I thought it was just like a dark dream that is kind of bitter and you have to put two sugars on it and that's it so that was like a revelation when I moved there basically. Cool. Nice. Yeah. And then how did you end up old spike? How long have you been there? Uh, here I've been like a. Like a year and a half, basically. Like uh, it's the first uh, the first time I'm doing like a production and 
just roasting coffee and all that. Before I always work like uh, behind the bar basically. And so yeah, it's been a, a, a great a great learning in here. So when was it that you were living in Melbourne? How many years ago? Long time ago, man, like 10 years ago, basically. Like, um, yeah, <laughs> long so time. Like we might've been there at the same time, Seth. What's that? We might've been there at the same time. Probably, probably. I remember I used to, I used to love the food in there, not only coffee, but food and coffee and yeah, it was like, in a different, that, that, different that level. Coffee scene the the uh the brunch scene that's there as well just it just yeah. really lends itself to uh to good good saturday sunday mornings yeah <laughs> and the and the sushi places i don't know if there's anybody yeah. from australia like, listen but the sushi places were amazing about, <laughs> what i miss about uh things in in melbourne good food yeah. good weather um but yeah I, i'm not although the weather was uh complaining about the weather and and well you're australian so it's part of the course isn't it well you have a serious comment okay cool as long as i didn't start it so okay um sam <laughs> what, what we've got yeah like um where you know i don't know if you've got anything in front of you that you're drinking we're drinking out of the mood um talk to me about like what what's your favorite coffee you've ever had or you know what what's the best coffee you've ever roasted man you know that question is kind of like right now it's impossible to answer i don't know if, it, if it's the same for you with the drinks that you brew and all that because everything has his uh his uh, space you know yeah. i love like a like a coffee that is not like you know like a easy coffee to drink in the morning that's just sweet and you know like a blend or a colombia or something like that and then i can like any other complex flavors or any kind of like you know that kind of flavors i, I like i like everything to be honest yeah in, in terms like, of people people ask me that question i'm like whatever i'm working on right now yeah that's a good answer actually that's a good answer because i feel like yeah. uh, pretty much pretty much i'm drinking while i'm working at and i always yeah, yeah. enjoy it very much so all right let's get into the nitty-gritty sam like i i've been wanting to there's a few questions because like i see you pretty much nearly every day anyway sam and and I, we chat about coffee a lot. Yeah. Um, but there's a few questions that I've just like sort of held off um, and I would like to get your opinion on. So coffee goes through a, a fermentation process. Um, I think I, I lost you there for a second. Say that again. Um, so coffee goes through a fermentation process. Um, yes. Can you just walk me through um, how that, that process sort of affects the, the final coffee? Yes, of course. Um, so if... Um... Anybody doesn't know, um, anybody don't know, um, coffee basically is the, is the seed of a fruit, of a, of a fruit that looks, looks like a cherry, basically. And there's many different ways that you can process coffee. So the main ones are washed coffee and mm -hmm. natural coffee, basically. And um, yeah, washed coffee, you cannot depulp the fruit like straight away. And and then from there you you can let it like ferment for during night like 12 hours 24 hours um it ferments because between the fruit and the seed there is another layer called the mucilage which has a lot of sugars okay yeah and and basically the way they started fermenting coffee was because more like a practical thing not looking specifically for for flavor they wanted to get rid of that mucilage so the best way to do it was fermenting the coffee because after after you wash it, that mucilage is basically can go away. And 
yeah, after you wash it, you can let it dry. You can let it dry under the sun or like uh, on the shade for around one week or two weeks and until the, um, the moisture level are 11%-ish. And, and then it's ready to ship and to, for the roasters, basically. That's, that's for the wash coffee. Yeah. The natural coffee is different. The natural coffee, you can see especially in, like, in countries like in Africa, um, because um, it was uh, traditionally the problem with the water in those countries, they push them to use like a dry process, which is the natural process. Um, basically that cherry, they leave the cherry, they don't depulp it. And they leave that the bean and the cherry ferment for a longer time. Um, it can take around three, four weeks and they put it usually under the sun, like a raisin beds. And, and yeah, mm -hmm. that's pretty much the natural. Then they, uh, you know, they get rid of the cherry and they, uh, it's ready for shipment too. And those coffees, they are the more like fruit driven. They are the ones that are like boozy and taste like blueberries and things like that. And the wash coffees tend to yeah, be more clean, yeah. tend to be more, yeah. So, uh, so you're saying that, yeah, so wash coffee is a, just a process of removing that through, through water and, and the fermentation process is not necessarily the best process, but um, the process is done without water and, and, and still works, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good, um, if, you know, many people are looking for that kind of um, flavor profile, like uh, some really fruit driven coffees and the natural is a good way to do it. Um, some people might say it's not the more like, if you want to really taste the, like the, the soil, the terror, the, you know, the origin, it might not be the best way to do it, but it's still, you know, still super tasty, still like, yeah, you know, yeah. very interesting flavors that you can get. So, so talking about origin, Sam, like how does origin and altitude, you see that on, on packaging a coffee and, and you, you sort of, you know, it looks like something that you look at and you go, I should know, what you know talking about. What, what, what's going on here and, and, and how we sort of decide what coffee I want. So how does origin and, and altitude give you uh, insights into the final coffee profile? I mean, origin is, um, it's uh, different coffees, like a coffee from Ethiopia that is completely different from Colombia, right? So, um, like I say, it might be like a, it's an agricultural product, the, the coffee. So obviously the soil, the, 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 you know, the earth is going to have a, a factor and especially the altitude. You, if you read in your coffee bag that the, the altitude of that coffee is quite high, like over a thousand meters, over a thousand five hundred meters, it tends to be more complex flavors. And that's usually because the higher you go, the colder it is. Ergo, the um, development of the coffee is going to be slower and it's going to be more dense, if that makes sense. So it's going to yeah, be yeah, more, yeah. Um, yeah, so basically that's, that's the main reason why alt high altitude coffees tend to be more like really complex, like, you know, more fruit driven. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, like, and uh, depends uh, on the process. Sort of so it's, it's an equation of process. And you know, elevation, altitude, soil, then yeah, origin. I, I, at the end of that equation is what makes a coffee like unique. Yeah, yeah. And and origin, uh, that specific sort of region, is that because of the style in that region that they, they make their coffee, or is it the, the type of bean that's traditionally used, or is it a profile that they, they prefer to to sort of head towards or try to achieve? It's everything. Like uh, even like you say, even the the variety makes a makes a lot of um, 
of difference too, because within the um, within the Arabica, which is what we work with, there's many many varieties. Um, you know, in different countries, they process slightly different. Like you know, it's easier to get like really high quality, high altitude coffees in Ethiopia than it is in Brazil, for example. So I guess obviously there's that real importance about the terroir and the origin of the coffee. How important is that to sort of consumers and I guess the revival of coffee in, in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years? Well, you know, it's kind of like, it comes in, in part with uh, how coffee, I don't know, how coffee is traceable now, for example. Now you can pinpoint where not only the the country, but you can, you can, you can check where the farm is and not even the farm but the lot you can even like you know see where everything yeah. is coming and in terms of uh in terms of flavor it makes you kind of like know exactly what you're going for now no you know you tend to like coffees that have like a lower altitude because they tend to be maybe a bit more on the sweeter side or you tend to like more high altitudes because it tends to be more tea like more florals more you know at the end Little by little, if you check those details, you can you can learn a lot of what you actually like. If mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Like yeah. I, I'm, I'm uh, guilty of just grabbing a bag off and going, "Okay, cool. I just want to try it." And then I go, "Oh, I love it." And then I just get rid of the bag and I go do exactly the same thing. I'm like, "I really like this coffee." <laughs> yeah, but that's that's why we, that's why we write like uh, tasting notes on the front of the bags, you know, because sometimes <laughs> yeah, tasting yeah, notes. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, I definitely, Tasting notes, yeah, but you know, at the end, it's just like a like a way to help somebody to choose the coffee that they're gonna like, and you know, you know, if you if you see that it's gonna taste like jasmine, wow. lemons, and things like that, you know what you're going for, and it's probably gonna be like a one of those high quality coffees. And if you're going for a chocolate nut, things like that, that we we kind of like always think about coffee. Uh, they tend to be like a more comforting, more like a, yeah, like a, it tends to be maybe like a lower altitude, like a Colombia, like a Brazil, which are great coffees, but yeah, obviously say, what we're talking about. Me, like I always look and I go, a Brazilian coffee for me is, um, you know, what I always knew coffee to be, right? A little bit, a little bit chocolate, a little bit caramel, that coffee yeah. sort of, you know, um, coffee coffee profile i don't know how else to kind of explain it yeah coffee like tastes like coffee yeah tastes like coffee and um yeah it tastes is, like is coffee it's growing in low altitude or is that because that's the brazilian style is that is it's a lot of the brazilian style and brazil yeah brazil tends to be a lower altitude brazil tends to be um it's it's i think actually it's the highest product producer of the world in coffee so they produce a lot, a lot of coffee. And right now, especially these last years, a lot of farmers in Brazil are experimenting, in, experimenting with processing. Like, I don't know if you remember that coffee I, I, I shared with you, the anaerobic coffee. Yeah, yeah, the one so, that kept under CO2 and like yeah. oxygen, which is, yeah, which is uh, yeah. anaerobic. Yeah, so this is an example of how Brazil is trying to experiment a little bit with uh, flavors, you know. Which was really Maybe... cool. It was a Brazilian coffee, but it had fruity and floral characteristics to it. So it had the body, like just 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 to explain what I got from it, it had the body of of what I like about Brazil, that sort of caramel esque, you know, round, sweet coffee flavor. But it had the aromatics of of more of an Ethiopian or or yeah, yeah. I want to say another one run out of things that I know that are high altitude. Yeah, and 
it hasn't has the acidity because coffee coffee is uh, quite acid and has a lot of different acids but um you know still kind of like give you some fruit to it like uh, the especially on the on the flavor and is that is interesting that they're doing that kind of stuff yeah it's really nice i really quite enjoyed that coffee i'm on a nicaraguan coffee at the moment it's uh oh yeah cool. it's probably not a for me not an every every morning coffee but mm -hmm. um it's definitely saturday saturday morning at 11 o'clock second coffee in when i sit out yeah. there at the window it's just it's quite complex um, yeah sam uh we, we talked a little bit about traceability like how, mm -hmm. how important is traceability now in in um you know in the coffee ref in, in the coffee sort of revival at the moment for you as a roaster like how how much of time do you spend making sure that your coffee is traceable and that you're you're you know doing everything you can to sort of promote that within the coffee industry i mean i think i think being traceable at the moment is kind of like one of the of the main pillars of uh, specialty coffee, to be honest. Like I said before, being able to point where the coffee is actually from and who is the producer of that coffee, like, you know, with a first name and a last name, like, you know, like that kind of transparency is very important. Uh, it's important for the farmers because they get more um, like a fair price for what they do. If, uh, you know, like the, the suppliers that we work with, they have a lot of transparency reports and a lot of like uh, different things that they share with us to make sure that the farmers, they have like a, like a fair price for what they, for what they sell. Um, and yeah, and for us too, but like I say, for, um, for things like you'll be able to know what coffee you do you like, you know, with um, when you are, when you're traceable, at least you can pinpoint which kind of like coffees you like. You like high altitudes. You like low altitudes. You like, you know, you like Africa. You like blends, whatever you like. If you're traceable, oh, right. consistency. Yeah, because that's the that's the whole thing. If you think about it, coffee, coffee start from the farm, then it's being exported, then us we roast it, and then somebody else is gonna is gonna make that coffee in a in a cafe. So there's a lot of step, steps that is so easy that that kind of like chain. There's a mistake in the middle, and it ruins everything. Yeah, I think we had this conversation. I likened it to uh, the cast beer making. You know, you've got the process of growing, growing the malt and, and doing the malt, uh, the growing the grain and doing the malting process is, is one stage. And it comes to the brewer who turns that into into a cast beer and then gives it to the publican that does that final step yeah. in the process. And if you, if you just miss that, do the grind wrong or you over oxygenate that beer or you don't let it settle, like yeah. that, that final step can ruin all the hard work behind it. But um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, and that's other, that's why everybody is. Uh, um, yeah, sorry, tell me. Sorry, we're we're doing the back and forth. <laughs> um, yeah. What, what's the what's your typical process of selecting green coffee? Let's say. To be honest, it's kind of like as blind as possible. I don't want to. Um, you know we get uh, coffees that obviously you know we are we are at the end this is a business so we have like a you know like a budget like we want to to get you know we cannot spend this or we cannot do that but um we get like on a table we do something that's called cupping and so basically we have like a, on the table like a lot of different coffees and with a spoon we try them all basically and you know depends on what we're looking for because sometimes in our offer we're looking for something more on the sweeter side or 
something more on the you know on the complex side of things and yeah depends on what we are looking for the we do the capping blind usually and the one we like the most the one we buy it's as easy as easy as that yeah. no it's, and then what yeah, happens, it's so basically you through the roasting process then so you take the green coffee in and that's when you process it how do you roast it yeah so the roasting process it has a lot to do with what we talk about like again altitude and all that so the density of the coffee is what makes you know how you need to roast it that's uh, not only the density but also the the process and many things but uh, you know naturals tend to be less uh, dense than wash for example so yeah on the roasting on the roasting process you got different phases you got the drying phase for example if the green bean has, a, has still a lot of moisture inside the drying phase, which is kind of like a, like a long part of the roasting process. It's like 70% of the time. It's basically just drying the coffee out. It is, it's, it's as simple as that. And then you got the browning phase, which is when the mylar reaction is happening and all the amino acids and the sugars are reacting and you get that brown color. And after that, you get a first crack, like a popcorn. Yeah, Basically, yeah. you hear the roast. You, you hear the coffee inside like popcorns, like uh, cracking. And Basically, crack that crack. This is the CO two coming out from inside. The, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so all the structure of the bean is breaking, basically, because all the reaction that's been happening with the roasting process. And after that first crack, that means that the coffee is ready to drink. Then is when you decide when to stop it. Basically, you stop it right on the first crack. It's a light roast. You let it roast longer. It's going to be medium or dark, depends how long you leave it. And, but basically, you need that first crack. Otherwise, the bean is going to be too hard and you, can, you won't be able to grind it. And it's going to taste very vegetal and very, you don't, you don't want that. Yeah, I've tried, uh, I was playing around with green coffee for, for a meat. Don't know why it ever did. It, it definitely went worse. But when you put it in boiling water, it, it, it smells like peas. Ah. It's just got like this, <laughs> this like weird vegetal sweet character to it. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's, it's something we do. Obviously, we do quality control here. So, um, you know, you cap it and you check. No, Sometimes it can be underdeveloped, which means that it tastes green. It tastes like, yeah, vegetal, savory, things like that. Or it could be overdeveloped, which means it's going to taste very bitter, smoky, you know. So you want kind of like in the middle. You don't want to add much, but you want to still like develop those flavors. Mm -hmm. Um, Sam, what what is what do you think is the most important process? Do you think it's it's the the farms growing the beans? Is it um, you know is it the the fermentation process or the choice of fermentation? Is it the green bean selection? Is it the roast yeah. profile or is it you know at home in your hands and and doing the actual brewing process yourself? You know, I think I think I have uh, I have two answers for that. I think. One one part of me says that every step <laughs> is like as that. important. Yeah, I mean one one part the of me says that every step is. Uh... No, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, <laughs> every single step, like <laughs> like we say, right? Like it's a chain, right? You need every single step yeah. to be consistent as possible, right? So you know when you see, like on the farm level, for example, there is uh, there is uh, sorting, right? There is uh, people that are literally going bean to bean, sorting the bean. So they see any defect, they put it out. And basically, that's a lot of work, right? On on the roasting 
you know, we do a lot of QC, we, uh, we do a lot of like quality control and taste and taste and taste. So we make sure that the coffee is tasting as it should. You see the baristas when you go to the coffee shop, just like waiting the coffee and checking like the seconds, the brewing is okay. You know, it's a very methodical step and step. Yeah, yeah. Some of the ones I've been to recently. <laughs> but the thing, uh, the thing. How, how, how many granules of uh, frozen coffee you can get on that? Oh, yeah. yeah, but the, the thing is, uh, the sorry, my, my battery. Um, <laughs> at the end, the last step of it, the barista. The barista is the one who has control over everything. It, it's it's yeah. up to him that the coffee tastes good. After all that coffee journey that has been the, with the coffee bean, the last step yeah, from the barista, step, I right. think, is actually is actually the most important because he can you know he can mess it up everything. The the farmer work doesn't mean anything if the barista at the end doesn't do a good job about it. So yeah, I think probably the last step is going to be the most important. On this process, and that's it. And I like I, I talked to you over the the end of last year, and I wanted to up my coffee game at home because, of course, I've been playing coffee now for so mm. long. And the, the the just the moving to being able to to control my grind completely was revolutionary in my my coffee routine. Like I, I was going from a blade blender. To, to a burr grinder oh, and like savage. I know oh, and I was like <laughs> it's, it's, it's like I had it here I was like wow that's that's you know that's ten times better I made home same one I recommended no I've got the I've got the hair grinder um, which Sam recommended wow. but those, um, those are I love good. it it's yeah. exercise routine in the morning though so now I get up and I do my uh, my my calisthenics while I'm uh, grinding my coffee which is and that's what yeah that's, that's what works you up that's <laughs> where yeah. so I've met, I've met you well I just press the button. So that basically sums up our attitudes to life, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, really. Yeah, but it makes it makes a difference. To be honest, we're talking about being consistent, right? If you yeah. use a blade grinder, for example, you're gonna have the grounds all over the place, right? So you're gonna be bigger grounds and smaller grounds, and all of them they're gonna brew in a different in a different time. You know, at the end, it's yeah. uh, it's about getting everything as the same as possible to get the best I, result. I, I, I get that. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it all seems very, very yeah. logical. Yeah, you know, in hindsight, um, Sam, you you helped us with a with a uh, one of our small batch meads that we released last month. We're in February already. Um, you yeah. had a you had a taste of it, Sam. Um, how's the coffee profile? You know, I mean, obviously, I'm not a. Uh... I'm not experts on, on what you guys what you guys do, and no, so I feel like, yeah I feel a bit uh, <laughs> I feel a bit uh, scared about like saying uh, things, but um, we'll just cut you off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're breaking up. Yeah, just cut it off. Yes, uh, yeah, don't, <laughs> yeah. Don't talk to me anymore, and that's it. Um, no, but um, I think I don't know what, what I told you the first time. I I got like a like a like a wood kind of like cherry vibe. To it a little bit, which I really, really love, and I think I, I think it's almost perfect for a for like a winter, like a winter uh, drink, you know, quite like a spice and wood kind of thing. What I got, and yeah, I will definitely drink that like on the evening or something in the you know what it's called yeah. outside. Yeah, no, it's, good. it's nine percent too, so yeah, she's, she's a sipper. She's a sipper. Gonna sneak up. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sam, what, what what's um is there anything you're finding interesting in in the world of coffee at the moment? I always like asking this question. You know, as we're getting towards the end, like, what, what's getting you excited about the world of coffee at the moment? 
and we you know we live in a crazy world right now because the <laughs> because the lockdown and obviously one of the one of the things that makes you excited when you work in coffee is about is the origin at the end of the day is you know being able how to see the coffee trees the farm their processing how people is like you know working so hard to make these amazing coffees that we kind of like keep for granted here in the in the uk when from there is such a you know such a big and methodical work and it sounds like it's almost impossible to get there right now because all that's what's going on but um yeah basically if you work in coffee that's kind of like you know what makes you excited being able to be there firsthand and see how everything how everything works in there Yeah, well. and, and and doing and doing things that you did to be honest kind of like mixing coffee with like random and weird stuff just to we're, experiment we're and see random and weird stuff you mean <laughs> delightfully familiar things yeah which just familiar things cool. <laughs> yeah uh, yeah cool. no but i'm, so, I'm a big fan of that of using like, coffee as a <laughs> as an ingredient for other things for other drinks yeah 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 um so we usually try to keep these under an hour. So I've just got probably one more question for you. Yeah. Um, what What is the most important thing? I know. I know. I said grinder now, and I'm kind of going to have to lean towards it. But I've got a question if that helps. Do you want to hear Tom's question or my question? Yes. Um, any. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Answer. Any. Now, what's your question, Tom? Uh, I'm just got an AeroPress at home, and that yeah. is making a lot smoother coffee than the cappuccino. It's it's appreciable. What should I be doing with my uh, AeroPress? Uh, what's the routine? Sorry, I can't... What's the routine? What's the routine? What, how long could I be? Yeah, how much coffee am I putting in it? What am I doing with my AeroPress? Do, do you know there's a, an AeroPress championship, right? That uh, I do. I do. a lot of yeah, a lot of people they use like different recipes, temperature, timing, dosing, gel, all that. That's that's why AeroPress is so good because you can do you can get crazy with it. And well, it's, so uh, that's why it's, depending on, I guess, what coffee you're using. Yeah, it depends on the coffee that you're using. Like, you know, the darker the coffee is, the more soluble it is. And you can experiment with that, for example. You can, yeah, you can play with temperatures. You can play with, that's why AeroPress is so good, because you can go crazy with it. So um, yeah, well, I recommend you, yeah, well, I recommend you, you or whoever is, you know, listening who has an AeroPress, go Google AeroPress Championship recipes, for example. And try all of them because it's super super fun and interesting. Oh, it will be with the, with the same coffee, especially yeah. if you use the same coffee. You're gonna see how it can change. That's really cool, actually. I might give that a well. They're uh, very specific. because because it's lockdown, and I just got myself a jeweler scale. Exactly. So That's my next step. Yeah. Like exactly. I, I've got one now that does to like 0.5 of a gram, and it's annoying me because it just ticks over. Yeah. And I, if you pull two beans <laughs> out and nothing moves, and you're like, yeah. no, I, I know that's I, not right. I got it. I got it to weigh the yeast going into my baking, and then multi-purpose, multi-purpose. Uh, yeah, I have, I have the, I have the, the, like the OCD habit that every time I, I doing the wedding coffee, it needs to finish in a square number. A two, four, <laughs> six. Number, it just makes me feel. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me. It makes my 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 brain feels good for some reason. <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, I think uh, like I, I got a, I got a grinder. I got that, and I use my AeroPress as my daily runner. But I get ten times better coffee out of my V60, and I still haven't figured out why. I do the same, 
almost the same. And I understand. I do like the V6 has got no sort of like hold, and I don't really leave it too long in the in the thing. And I only stir it like around twice, and and I don't press it. I take a minute and a half to press it down. Like I time that now, um, and how many times I stir it. So three times stir, and then a minute pushing, and I still can't get it anywhere near as good as my V6. But you know, we are good. Um, you know, people, we are good habits animals right so when you get your recipe right on v60 maybe it's like easier for you to kind of like replicate that over and over again i'm figuring it out as well and finding it mm. and just playing and playing and playing but i was so bad because i used to use my shaker used to shake my blade grinder and put it in the aeropress <laughs> and bang it out i'm like that's a half decent coffee on the way to work Next time, next time you guys come, uh, we can make some aeropresses here because yeah. you can get like really, really interesting, interesting stuff. Film a load of different recipes. That feels like a fun <laughs> yeah. Filming different recipes. Yeah, yeah. I kind of find actually that excited for some reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm thinking exactly that. Like just sort of the science in me, just variable rain, one variable each time. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. At the end, that's how you, I mean, that's how you experiment with coffee and recipes and stuff like that. You can go as a geek as you want to, you know? Yeah. Well, that's something to do next week, isn't it? And yeah. every day and I'm still, still, I'm still not there. <laughs> Damn, thank you. Thank you so much for sparing your Friday afternoon. Um, no, of course, guys. Work and uh, joining us for a little bit of a chat about coffee. It's, it's been insightful. Yeah, it's been really, really interesting. Thanks very much, Sam. Cool. Amazing. Thank you, guys. And uh, I'll see you on Monday. I'll see you Monday. <laughs> Take care. Bye -bye. Thank you so much. Oh, that was really interesting. That was great. Um, like yeah. when, I, when I found out that uh, the coffee went through a fermentation process, it just like it just triggered something. On. I was like, I, I I need to know more about this. Like, yeah, and I hadn't actually. So I, I'd only read the high level bit about it going through a fermentation process. And then I guess it makes sense to strip away the the little membrane. Yeah, what is it? Uh, the because uh, uh, we'll look it up. Yeah, don't don't keep watching yeah. us, Sam. Uh, uh, what are you up to this weekend, Will? <laughs> um, I think it's uh, planting I, season. As Sam said, it was. It's lockdown. What are you going to do? But uh, there's always something to be done. I'm I'm focusing on planting uh, herbs, and I I saw a little fun uh, hydroponics <laughs> yeah. kit today that I'm I'm just like, hmm, no, I could I could put that on the wall, but yeah. uh, I've got a little little grow light and and. Uh, I've got some seeds and I'm just going to start planting and get it up on the, the window still because the days are a bit longer now. So oh, it's making such, oh God, I sound like I'm about 90 <laughs> years old. It makes such a difference to your quality of life. It be not being dark all the time. Like I, I can, I can ride home without having to turn my lights yeah, on in the no, evening. No, like no. it's, I know I get up from my afternoon nap and it's still light. <laughs> that's, that's remarkable. Some life you lead. I know, some life I lead. Um, <laughs> Uh, what am I up to? Yeah, what are you I, up um, to this weekend? I'm back, You're always doing something I'm, fun, Tom. Uh, I'm batch cooking a load of taco fillings tomorrow. Batch cooking a load of taco fillings? Yeah. Like, because you you, you want to get faster with your taco preparation? No, well, because uh, we've both been quite busy recently, and like the cooking of a weekday has become a bit of a chore. So, actually, having well, some stuff in the freezer... Knowing how you cook tacos, I can see why cooking's a chore. Like... It's, it's not a simple buy a taco kit. You're, you're no, growing no. your own corn know, and, know, and chewing am. on I, them. I, and... I am. I am. Metaxalizing my own <laughs> corn at home. No, um, so I'm going to do three or four different types of taco fillings. Fish tacos? Uh, no, because they don't freeze very well. So a veggie Fair one, enough, I'll take that, a pork yeah. one, and a chicken one. Do chicken tingers, which is my favorite. Anyway, um, and then just freeze them all in bags. So you can be like, right, it's Tuesday. Let's just get something out of the freezer. And then Sunday I'm doing ribs. So really, when you ask me what I'm doing, it's more what I'm cooking, ribs on Sunday. 
Yeah, they're in the fridge right now, aren't they? They're in the fridge right now with some lovely merguez sausages from fucking herd, which you can probably smell. Yeah. Pay promotion. Yeah, pay promotion. Guys, if you want me to be a hashtag influencer for Flock and Herd, I will be a meat influencer. Without a shadow what a, of that. That, that's a way to go. Oh, God, yeah. They had some steak in there today. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah, I think, I think that kind of sums us up for the evening, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just talking about meat. Guys, thanks very much. Um, if you want to ask us any questions before next week, next week we are joined by the guys, well, won't be a live session in the, it'll be a pre-recorded session from the guys from Moonshine Media in Mumbai which are India's excited about only mead makers which will be really exciting yeah. um, met those guys before oh, they've always been they're, lovely, they're lovely. They, they, they're lovely. They, they, their meads are fantastic I mean they come over about two years ago must have been a couple hello, of years ago and yeah, I yeah. sat down as probably the most meads I've ever drank in one day so I think yeah. I had like 18 set out the front on the yeah, bike they had a lot of and they would do he's just like cool here's everything we've yeah. ever made Let, let's sit down and have a chat about it and uh, woof so I talked to Nitin and Rohan who are the founders there actually um, that is at, is at 12 o'clock and we might do it live at 12 or we might not depending on what's cracking on yeah no, we'll see yeah, how we get on guys. Um, guys thanks very much uh, speak to you soon yeah enjoy your weekend guys and we'll see you next week no singing for the, for no, the no, outro? No. I could do the outro, but I don't think anyone really wants that. Thanks for listening, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that. So hit the subscribe and like button and follow us on all our social media. And we'll see you again next week. If you've got any questions or thoughts or just want to chat about mead and honey, then drop us an email to podcast at gosnels.co.uk. Or better still, jump on our Instagram live at fives. Ask us uh, any questions that you have and watch us scramble to try to find the answer and uh, look like we know what to talk about. Or if you want to see what I look like, you can head on to the website at www.gosmos.co.uk.